Welcome. In this episode, I take three questions from you, the audience, and explore them. The three questions we have today are, are there Feldenkrais lessons that isolate the mind and body from each other? Another question is on becoming a warrior. And a third question is about the emotions that come out through these movement lessons. It's a great episode, and I think it has something relevant for everybody. Hi, and welcome to the Expand Your Ability podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Schwinghammer. This show looks at how the Feldenkrais Method can reduce our learned compulsivity, that is, all the shoulds of our life, and then make new choices so we can act the way we would like. If you have a question, big or small, let me know, and I'll answer it here on the show. If you go down to the show notes in your podcast player, you'll find the form for submitting questions. And of course, you can just email me too, jeffrey at expandyourability.com. All right, so let's get to the first question. The first question is, is it often a mind-body combination, or are there lessons to isolate them from each other? Is it often a mind-body combination, or are there Feldenkrais lessons to isolate mind and body from each other? All right, so this gets to the question of mind and body. And language is kind of tricky, because we think about the mind, we think about the body, uh, they're kind of separate in our thinking, and we will have to connect them somehow, or we have to get into our body. And, and I think the language is helpful to a degree, right? Like, you know, get out of your mind if you're stuck in your head, you know, get into your body, get into your sensation. Because in our experience, we can really, really just discount and ignore our body. And so any sort of movement to invite people back into their body, right? That's, that's the common phrase right there. Back into your body is a good thing. But technically, it's not like there's a river and there's no bridge between mind on one side and body on the other side. I mean, it's more like where you put your attention to continually is what you get. And so if you ignore the sensations of your body, you're just not going to get that information very well, right? And maybe it'll have to get very loud to get your attention. I think ultimately the mind-body duality idea becomes less and less important as you realize how you think and how you move and how you feel and how you sense yourself are all related. They're all connected. It's all different threads in, in this fabric. And you'll find that how you think is reflected in how you move and how you move is reflected in how you think. Feldenkrais lessons work with the whole human being, the whole body, right? We want to continue to bring more of ourselves into the movement to incorporate more of ourselves. And that being said, there are some ATM lessons that emphasize the use of the imagination. Now you might say that's more the mind part of it, and in some sense that's right. Though I think you'll find if you try to imagine something, even if you're real subtle with it, there'll be some activation 
of your musculature, right? And that would be movement. That would be the body, right? Your imagination, as you generate images, creates some sort of movement, right? Maybe it's in your eyes. And so you're an embodied person. You're a human being in your body. And you can just develop the skill of using your body as the resource that it truly is. All right, on to the next question. So the next question comes from Rebecca. She says, in reaction to the episode I did recently in the Land of Giants, she says, I listened to your podcast and I find it very, very interesting. But one question I still have out in the open. If you are the cowering child in the corner, how do you straighten up? How do you start battling? How do you pick your fights? Do you ever want to describe how to lift up again, stay straight, and be a warrior? So, first off, yes. Yes, we will we will tackle that question more and more as we go forward with this podcast. And it's a really good question. So she's referring in that episode to the story I tell about a kid who I witnessed having this conflict with his father, well, actually his stepfather, and he runs and hides in a corner, feeling like he just he just rolls himself into a ball, right? He hugs his legs, and he's kind of taken by the overwhelming emotions of the moment. And so if you were that kid, if you had that experience, how do you straighten up? How do you stand up again? How do you become a warrior? This is a big topic, and we'll take some time to unpack. But for today, I came with a list of ideas to begin the conversation. So the first is, in the pursuit of becoming a warrior, to stand up for yourself, a thing is to befriend yourself, befriend your body, and generate self-trust over time. That means showing up for ourselves, taking care of ourselves, attending to the feelings as they come up. In what way can we be okay with, at least, or even compassionate with the difficult emotions as they arise? And a piece of this is to be curious, to stay curious. Sometimes to make that conversation possible between ourselves and our difficult past, we might have to journal about it or have conversations with a friend or even a therapist, which is a form of befriending yourself. I think I'm worthwhile enough to pay attention to and to see what's up. And in that is courage, right? That is the warrior's courage right there. Explore associations. All right, so in this situation, I feel this way. In this situation, I feel this way. I'm reminded of this memory. Okay, I don't have to act on any of these memories, but I'm reminded of this and I'm reminded of that. Begin to understand these connections. Perhaps in a work scenario, it brings you into this kind of rounded state, right? You want to run away. Okay, cool, that's happening. What are all the other times that happens? What is it about those situations that bring it up? 
when do you feel the experience like crystallizing and can you make a new choice can you take a breather can you step back can you talk with a friend to get some support and then continue on come back into the situation see if you can modulate your response somehow in the Feldenkrais method the awareness through movement lessons are explorations that help you expand your self-image that is if part of your self-image is in this situation with this feeling I do this habitual rounding well it might be worthwhile to round yourself in all these different ways have a hundred different ways to round yourself explore the feeling of your back on the floor or how you can source the power from your pelvis right power right the warrior is interested in power how can you use the power of these movements to move yourself in so many ways that you have other choices than the previous cowering choice uh, the desire to cower or to run and hide is a form of compulsivity i am i i can't not do this is the feeling i need to that's the compulsive piece. So to reduce compulsivity, that is the goal of the Feldenkrais method, is across the board, reduce compulsivity by bringing your attention and your prefrontal cortex to bear on your experience. And that reduces compulsivity over time. I mentioned earlier about rounding yourself in all these different ways. Yeah, I mean, deliberately enter the shape that you were as a child. Step into the shape. Step out of the shape. You don't have to force anything in this process, but you can become less and less afraid by deliberately stepping in, tasting it, and stepping out. And you might need someone to help you with this, and that's totally okay. Someone to be there to witness or to encourage you, all is good. And if anything is too difficult, wait, right? <laughs> Maybe you have to learn your level five sword skills before you take on the level five boss, right? As a warrior, you have to work on your skills. Find inspiration for warriors, right? For me, Lord of the Rings, so good, right? Really great warrior archetypes in that film. But what film would work for you? What stories work for you? And a few times already I've mentioned, seek help from others. A warrior isn't a person who operates 100% by themselves, that they're 100% self-sufficient. I, I, I don't think that's the case. I think the warrior is among others and has to be among others, right? Think of the Spartan shield wall. The shield wall is intact because they all support each other. And one final thought, what is the purpose? Can you clarify the purpose in which you're fighting for, in which you're refining your skills for? What is your vision of good, meaningful, and worthwhile? All right, on to the third question. This one is from Joanne. She also has a question based off of the episode, The Land of Giants. She says, That episode made me wonder something about what happened in class a couple times. 
As I was doing movements, I found my eyes welling up with tears, and I felt like I could cry. What I'm wondering is whether or not that feeling came from doing the movements. Do the movements themselves evoke strong emotions? All right, I'll tackle the second question here. Do the movements themselves evoke strong emotions? It is possible to use movement to evoke strong emotions. Generally, how we approach the movements in most of the lessons is that we're not generating strong emotions intentionally. But it is possible to use movement as a basis for uh, stirring up a particular emotion. Now, I think what she's talking about is that there's latent emotion, some experiential emotion from her history that these movements are unlocking, in a sense. They're opening the door to actually feeling. So the movements open the door, but they don't necessarily create something new. I think it's something that's already there. It's already there, and it's unique to the person experiencing them. Are the emotions in the tissue, in the muscles? In a sense, yes. Although, I, I think it's more in the organization of the musculature. So, in the story, uh, The Land of Giants, where the, the boy is rounding himself, hugging himself, hiding, right? He's experiencing these strong emotions. That muscular act is a way of protecting him. And to the degree that this boy or any child or any person is bracing against those feelings, using the muscular contraction to prevent themselves from experiencing the difficult, well, prevent in the sense of um, the strong desire to protect themselves. They are preventing the overwhelm of the emotion, and it's associated with that muscular tension. And if you begin to change a person's musculature, right, to change their neurology through these awareness through movement lessons, the musculature shifts. It no longer maintains that shape. And when it no longer maintains that shape, there is the opportunity, the possibility for what was not able to be felt to be felt. It's hidden behind the muscular habit, behind the muscular activity. Often the case for me is these emotions will arise, memories will arise, certain thoughts. It's as if I can see this filter coming in front of my eyes and it's, oh, this is that feeling from long ago. And I can see how it shapes my thinking, how I can think about, I don't know, some event that day or some person, and I can feel how this emotion or this filter comes in and changes that. And awareness through movement offers you this experience because there is this slowness and quietness that you can pick out these details and watch them come up and then make choices. This goes back to the episode I did, Don't Touch Your Face, where in that story, that person was able to sense that they don't touch their face. It's just something they don't do because they had some story that if they did, they would get acne. And it's not until you have this time and this space that you can create the conditions 
to realize how you are shaped by your past and to make a new choice. So what kind of new choices are there? Well, one is be curious about it. Can you turn it on? Can you turn it off? Would some sort of touch be helpful? If you brought your hand to that place, would that be helpful? If you shifted your breathing, would that be helpful? If you got up and walked around, can you walk it off a little bit? This could be the fodder for therapy, for having conversations with others. Hey, this came up and I need to talk about this with someone. Another choice you can make is to act as if it's boring. Uh, This is a callback to the episode about uh, being too sensitive. By acting as if you're bored, you can have this countervailing force to the emotions which brings a sense of urgency. I need to act right now. Okay, well, if I act as if I'm bored, if my eyes are bored, my cheeks are bored, my lips are bored, my breathing is bored, perhaps I can soften and reduce the sense of urgency. Another choice you can make is to journal about it. To be clear, there is nothing wrong with having these experiences. Joanne has a follow-up question. She says, are the emotions perhaps stuck in tight muscles and are being loosened up? I sort of addressed this a little bit earlier. Yes, and it's sort of the organization. It's sort of this new capacity to, to feel it. Through the ATM lesson, you've developed an internal resource or capacity that you no longer have to protect yourself in that way. All right, Joanne continues with, Or could it simply have been the fact that my inability to move my body like I used to makes me feel very sad? That is, the movements bring me completely in touch with the fact that I'm getting old and I'm not like I used to be. That does make me feel sad, but I don't generally get teary-eyed about it or feel like crying about it. Or maybe it's a combination of both. So here in the second part of the question is this question of grief right? I don't move like I used to. Or another one that I've experienced is I acted in ways that I don't like now based on my standards now. Like, wow, that wasn't great back then what I did. So we can have grief for what we've lost or from our new perspective. Grief is definitely a part of this process. As we get in touch with our physical experience, the somatic experience, our bodily experience, we are more in a capacity to experience and feel what needs to be felt. And that can be a surprise, and that can be challenging, and it can be grief-inducing, right? By becoming more aware, we understand ourselves more clearly And that's a good thing. And that also means we have to be, we have to experience the grief that comes with it. And I think it's not just bearing the grief, but it's also bearing all the other emotions. To be more open to anger, to sadness, to laughter and joy, to kindness. Because when we 
clamp down on our experience through our musculature, it affects our ability to express all of our emotions. And the ability to express all of our emotions is a part of living a full human life. To anyone who is experiencing grief or sadness through the process, I wish that you find someone you can talk with or some, somebody you can share some of these issues with so that you're not alone. Those are the questions I have for you today. That was a pretty solid lineup. And of course, if you have any questions yourself, please send them in. My email is jeffrey at expandyourability.com. And I'd love to hear from you. You can also reach out to me on Instagram at expandyourability. Don't worry. It doesn't have to be a particularly smart question. It could be a dumb question. It could be a silly question. Whatever you're curious about, I'd love to hear from you. In this episode, I tried to do a little bit of a different style. I used an outline and spoke more conversationally. I didn't use a script so much. So I'm curious what you thought about that too. I'm trying to experiment, right? Just like an awareness through movement, we make some variations, we try this, we try that. I'm trying this and trying that with the podcast. So whatever feedback you have, I'd love to hear it. If you're interested in learning more about the Feldenkrais Method, I invite you to check out my ebook, The Nine Surprising Benefits of the Feldenkrais Method. You can find a link to that in the show notes. By signing up and downloading that ebook, you also join my newsletter, where I will also announce uh, opportunities to work with me. I will be offering more classes in the coming months. So it'd be great to have you. As always, I invite you to have conversations with friends, to talk about the ideas in this podcast. Because when we talk about and chew on and puzzle through topics like these with friends, we deepen our learning, we deepen our understanding about ourselves. The question I would like to leave you with today is, what would help you? And if you would, send me an email, jeffrey at expandyourability.com. Leave me a quick note. All right. Thank you for your attention.